the presentation of anarchism, anarchism. as social philosophy which aims at the emancipation, economic, social, political, and spiritual of the human race. The Anarchist Essays is brought to you by Loughborough University's Anarchism Research Group. For more information on the ARG, see the link in the show notes or follow us on Twitter at ARGLBORO. Anarchist Anti Fascism by Spencer Beswick. During the 1980s, leading elements of the fascist and white power movements declared revolutionary war on the U.S. government. Despite the right-wing Reagan revolution, fascists believed that globalist Jewish elites had misled the Republican Party into capitulating to the black civil rights movement at home and to communism abroad. Neo-Nazis and leading elements within the Ku Klux Klan set aside their traditional enmity and united to fight for a white revolution against what they called the Zionist-occupied governments. Some fascists in this era, most notably Tom Metzger of White Aryan Resistance, targeted punk subculture to recruit racist skinheads and harness their violent energy for the white revolution. Neo-Nazis regularly started violence at punk shows and attacked people of color and queer people in the streets. The murder of an Ethiopian immigrant named Mulagetsa Sarah in Portland in 1988 by a group associated with white Aryan resistance signaled a clear escalation. Although Sarah's murderers ended up in prison, mainstream institutions were largely ill-equipped to deal with fascism's violent turn and loathed to recognize these incidents as connected parts of an organized threat. But a new generation of anti-fascists rose to meet the fascist menace, often with masked faces and baseball bats in hand. Anti-racist punks united with anarchists and other leftists to form the organization Anti-Racist Action, or ARA, in Minneapolis in the late 1980s. Born out of a local anti-racist skinhead crew called the Baldies, Anti-Racist Action quickly spread across the country. It was the premier anti-fascist organization in North America in the late 20th century, and a direct precursor to today's militant anti-fascism. ARA was connected to a broader revival of anti-fascist action across North America and Europe in the 1980s and 1990s, which was based in a younger generation who often came to radical politics through punk subculture. Rather than relying on the police or legal system to deal with fascists, anti-racist action confronted and fought fascists in punk spaces, in the streets, and beyond. They also conducted extensive campaigns to publicly expose fascists and to build an anti-fascist popular culture. At its height, ARA had hundreds of chapters across the country with thousands of militant activists. Anti-racist action was guided by a few primary points of unity. First, we go where they go. Anywhere fascists attempted to organize, ARA would confront them. Second, we don't rely on the cops or the courts to do our work for us. Instead, they promoted direct action and self-organization. Third, they upheld non-sectarian defense of other anti-fascists. They were united in tactical opposition to fascism and white supremacy, rather than divided by rigid ideological lines. 
1997, the ARA network voted to add a fourth point of unity. We support abortion rights and reproductive freedom. Women pushed ARA to recognize the fascist nature of the far-right anti-abortion movements and dedicate their energy to confronting it. ARA ended the updated version of their points of unity with a call to action. We want a free, classless society. We intend to win. And win they did. A few examples to capture the scope. Soon after it was formed, ARA routed the skinhead White Knights in Minneapolis. Anytime they came across a member of the White Knights, they gave them one warning. If anti-fascist activists saw them again and they were still a White Knight, they would beat them up. This proved very successful. ARA also helped to run Nazis out of the Portland punk scene, where hundreds of them were starting violence at shows and on the streets. Several members of ARA from Minneapolis visited Portland to share their strategy and to fight the Nazis. This was the beginning of the end of the Nazi punk presence in Portland. You can learn more about this in the great podcast, It Did Happen Here. ARA also targeted the KKK, particularly in the Midwest. They used a mixture of tactics, including infiltrating clan groups, exposing their members, getting businesses to refuse to serve them, and pressuring cities to pull permits for their rallies. And of course, when all else failed, they would fight them. ARA also identified the anti-abortion movement as a key component of the growing fascist movement, and they participated in defending abortion clinics against groups like Operation Rescue in the 1990s. They helped run Operation Rescue out of Minneapolis in 1993 when the group tried to host a summer training camp in the city. ARA chapters also participated in broader social movements fighting for racial and economic justice. Here, the Detroit chapter led the way by focusing on the intersection between racism and poverty. In addition to fighting Nazis, they ran campaigns to preserve summer youth employment programs and to raise the minimum wage. ARA's sustained offensive across the United States and Canada played a central role in disrupting the fascist movement in the late 20th century. To learn more, I highly recommend the book that recently came out with PM Press called We Go Where They Go, The Story of Anti-Racist Action. This history has received increasing attention since the recent revival of Antifa tactics after Donald Trump's election in 2016. But despite this renewed attention, the foundational role that revolutionary anarchism played in the development of anti-racist action has thus far gone under-examined in mainstream accounts. This has obscured some of the historical lessons that it offers to us today. Although anti-racist action never adopted a formal political line, anarchist ideology and organizational principles predominated within it. It was born in Minneapolis with the help of a radical bookstore called Backroom Anarchist Books and a collective called the Revolutionary Anarchist Bowling League. In the 1990s, members of the Love and Rage Revolutionary Anarchist Federation played an outsized role, particularly as ARA turns to building a national network. Love and Rage was the leading anarchist organization of this era, it was formed in 1989 and dissolved in 1998, and during its existence, it was very active in anti-fascist and anti-racist struggles. So how did a bunch of teenage punks in mid-1980s Minneapolis become revolutionary anarchists who were willing to risk their lives fighting Nazis? Well, for one, the Nazis were an existential threat within the punk scene. 
fighting them with self-defense, particularly for people of color and queer people. But something else introduced the teenagers to anarchist politics, a bookstore called Backroom Anarchist Books. Backroom was run by a small collective of young anarchists committed to spreading propaganda and aiding radical struggles. It played a central role in the early political evolution of the Baldies in anti-racist action. The Baldies and ARA used the infrastructure provided by Backroom for meetings and social events that helped develop and politicize the local anti-racist youth scene. The collective that ran the store was plugged into national and international radical networks. It was through the Backroom that the Baldies first discovered anarchist publications from Europe including news from the West German autonomous movements, but perhaps more importantly, the class war newspaper in Britain, which provided accounts of how anti-racist skinheads were organizing to fight the National Front. Another publication they encountered was the Rabble Rouser, a newspaper put out by the Revolutionary Anarchist Bowling League, or Rabble. Rabble played a central role in the evolution of anarchism in Minneapolis and nationwide in the late 1980s. Their newspaper, Rabble Rouser, featured articles on anarchist theory, feminism, anti-racism, youth liberation, and anti-war activism. They theorized a new vision of revolutionary anarchism that influenced the direction of the movement. Rabble brought together the most pro-organization and anti-imperialist anarchists in the Twin Cities in a combination of direct action and revolutionary organization. They got national attention when a member threw a bowling ball through the window of an army recruitment office during an anti-war demonstration. Rabble collaborated frequently with ARA and shared several members. In addition to helping build ARA, Rabble was one of the groups behind the birth of Love and Rage, which was founded in 1989 after a series of annual national convergences helped revitalize the North American anarchist movements. Love and Rage identified its social base as the reproletarianized children of the white middle class, product of deindustrialization and neoliberal globalization, which was the same potential base for fascism in the United States. Love and Rage was predominantly white, whereas anti-racist action was more multiracial. Love and Rage thus felt that they had a special duty not only to fight fascists in the streets, but also to offer a liberatory alternative to angry young white people who were looking for radical answers to their problems. Anti-fascism became one of Love and Rage's three main working groups, and it collaborated frequently with ARA in the struggle against the far right. Even a small number of people from an organized group like Love and Rage, with a national newspaper, can have a major impact on the growth of a mass organization like ARA. One of the founders and lead organizers of ARA named Kieran helped to build Love and Rage and anti-racist action together. Kieran and his comrades traveled extensively, building communications infrastructure and local chapters for both organizations. Love and Rage played an important role in developing the street tactics of anti-racist action. They helped introduce black bloc tactics to the U.S., which ARA embraced as a way to maintain anonymity and carry out more daring actions. Love and Rage also helped cultivate the anarchistic politics and organizational structure of ARA. Unlike Marxist-Leninist parties, which often participate in mass organizations with the intention of taking control, Love and Ragers approached anti-racist action as equals as they helped build the decentralized network and organize actions. 
The anarchists explicitly decided not to try to take over leadership or to make anarchism one of the guiding principles of ARA, even though they thought a vote would succeed, because they felt that establishing a firm ideological line would do more harm than good. Part of anti-racist action's strength was that it appealed to both young anarchist punks and to more apolitical rural white people who just felt a humanistic duty to fight Klansmen and Nazis. Yet despite its lack of formal anarchist politics, ARA had a real anarchist ethos and decentralized organizational structure that stretched beyond love and rage. Many, if not most, of the committed militants in ARA were anarchists. Love and Rage acted as an anarchist pole, playing an outsized role in ARA and other grassroots movements of the era because of its strong organization and national newspaper. Finally, anarchists contributed to the development of ARA's anti-fascist analysis. The most important theoretical innovation to come out of anti-racist action was the framing of the three-way fight between the left, the capitalist state, and the fascist right. This analysis insists that fascism cannot be reduced to capitalist reaction, but must be understood to offer its own radical challenge to capitalism and to the bourgeois state. What distinguishes fascism from more mainstream right-wing populism is its commitment to seizing state power and using it to dismantle democratic institutions and violently remake society. This analysis came from a confluence of anarchists and unorthodox Marxists. Three-way fight politics were explicitly articulated in a collection called Confronting Fascism, Discussion Documents for a Militant Movement, which was centered around an essay by Don Hammerquist called Fascism and Anti-Fascism, where he argues that rather than coming from above or supported by the capitalist class as a whole, quote, the emerging fascist movements for which we must prepare will be rooted in populist, nationalist, anti-capitalism, and will have an intransigent hostility to various state and suprastate institutions. Thus, the anti-fascist left must simultaneously confront capitalism and a potentially revolutionary fascist movement. The solution cannot be to throw our support behind defending democracy from the fascist threats, but rather developing our own revolutionary movements from the left. Fast forward to today. With Trump out of office, a worrying number of fascist groups are repeating the revolutionary turn of the 1980s. One danger is that much of the left may throw its support behind liberal democratic anti-fascism, that is, support the capitalist state, and thus cease to present an alternative from the left. When the left joins liberals in defending mainstream institutions, fascists are emboldened to present themselves as the only real alternative to the status quo. But there's another way. During the late 20th century, anti-racist action combated fascism's revolutionary turn in the streets while also organizing progressive social movements. Like ARA, today's anti-fascist left is called to fight both fascism and capitalism at once. We must act now to defend targeted communities from the imminent threat of violence, as anti-fascists have defended drag shows from the far right. But we cannot focus solely on the threat of small groups of relatively marginal extremists. Anti-fascism must be embedded in broader struggles against oppression and exploitation. In order to defeat fascism for good, we need to organize mass movements that address the root causes of our social crisis and fight for a better world.
Thank you for listening. To help others find Anarchist Essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.